but if a single woman wants to travel abroad she has to get like some sort of a sanction from her father or a guardian or like husband to hai nahi is case mein but like if a single woman wants to travel abroad what are the legalities there yeah apparently like you know this is one of the i think it's more of a visa requirement it's not something that the government indian government says that if you have to travel abroad you need this um, you know letter from your father but uh, the countries where you go so for their visa requirements they need this and even when i had to like apply for a visa to europe i think i had to get a letter from my father saying that you know i know that my daughter is going and i don't have any objection and this was when i was a full blown adult i think in my mid 20s so uh, i still had to get that letter which was really irritating so i drafted the letter myself and i had a couple of lines saying she's grown up and she doesn't need my permission and this and that <laughs> put in my feelings into that letter <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. i am here today with mansi who is a lawyer and she feels passionately about women's rights and mansi you also worked on the uh, on three landmark judgments which is section 377 and the sabrimala case which had us all like thinking about women's rights i think so that's really a crucial one can you can you tell us a little bit more about these cases yeah sure prachi firstly thank you so much for having me it's my pleasure to be here and uh, yeah so in 2018 i had this golden opportunity to work uh, in the supreme court i was assisting uh, one of the judges uh, justice chandrachud and um, so at that time these three cases were going on one was 377 the other sabrimala and then the third is uh, decriminalization of adultery Hmm. so um you know 377 as we all know it was about decriminalization of uh, homosexuality in india and they made section 377 void which is a great victory for all lgbtq um, you know members as well as allies and the sabrimala temple basically is an ancient temple in south india and um, women were not permitted to enter the sanctum sanctorum of the temple because of certain beliefs of the temple and then the supreme court struck down that uh, practice and they permitted women to also enter and uh, adultery was basically you know it was an ancient law a criminal law which was like from the british era and where women were treated like property so if um, a man if like a woman has any sort of affair outside her marriage it is considered that the person whom she had the affair with that man has trespassed over her husband's property which is the woman so you know it was uh, framed in that way which is why this law was also decriminalized and that's also a great victory for women because you know it changes the kind of um, um thinking and the kind of law that is embedded in the system yeah yeah and um, i think that's really cool and that is part of the your work is obviously the reason why i just i really wanted to have this conversation with you which is mm-hmm. the rights of single women in india you know we talk so much about the rights of married women and we are constantly told that chaadi kar lo your life will get better your life will be easier you'll have you know more protection you'll have more rights how true is that is it is it really true that married women have more uh legal rights in our country 
No, I don't think that's true in today's scenario. Mm. I think the reason why women are constantly pushed towards marriage is to sort of, uh, you know, it's that Indian mentality that once you're married, that means you're settled and, you know, you have like a secure future. Because mm. women traditionally, they wouldn't, uh, they weren't financially independent. They weren't encouraged to have their careers and to chart their own life path. So they were always dependent either on their parents or after marriage, you know, on their husband to provide for them and to sort of take care of them. So I think that is why the entire, you know, narrative that uh, Shadi Karlo and you'll have a better future and you'll have more rights. Mm. But legally speaking, um, see, when you get married, obviously you will have rights to the maybe like some additional property rights, which is also comes as part of like, you know, because you become the family member of another family, yeah. which is why you get those rights. But apart from that, I don't think there is any specific, like, see, you have all your rights as an individual. So your marriage or, you know, your single status will not take away those rights, which you have as an individual. Right. And that's just the thing, right? There's on the one hand, there's the law. And then on the other hand, there's the culture. And there's so many things that the law allows, but the culture doesn't, you know, and um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit. But I want to ask you, so, you know, a lot of paperwork involves, you know, if you're a woman and you're filing for say your driver's license or your Aadhaar card or even a passport you know there's always that question wife off or daughter off and it is assumed that if you're writing daughter off you're going to write your father's name right so, again there also what is the legality like do you have to write your father's name or do you have to write anybody's name really like do you as a woman or as any individual do you not you know have your own identity on a legal document so, um, see, in earlier, it was very stringent that they would only accept the father's name. Mm-hmm. But of late, because of a few uh, precedents and a few places where courts have allowed women to write their mother's name. So even on school admission forms, now you can write your mother's name. So, you know, there is no bar on writing your mother's name. You can always write daughter of mother's name. There is no law which prevents you from writing it. But again, as you said, law and culture are very different. So when it comes to practicality, you may have the law and legal rights. But when you go to that office to fill that form, the people who are accepting that form will not be aware of this. And you can't sit and explain to them because they will not want to budge budge from what, you know, they have been told because they are doing just clerical work, right? They can't Mm. apply their mind and take a decision about, you know, what to accept in the form. Mm. So then your remedy becomes that, okay, you have to go to the court, file a case. If you really want to insist that, you know, this is something so important to me that I will not uh, write my, uh, my uh, you know, I will not write my father's name. So that is the practical angle. But legally speaking, you can totally write your mother's name also. Mm-hmm. And uh, wife of or daughter of, like, actually any individual has to sort of, you know, either write that they're the son of so-and-so or like, even if it's a male, they have to write that they're son of so-and-so because see in law like there may be so many Mansi Chaudhary's right so mm-hmm. if a document has to sort of uh, distinguish me from another Mansi Chaudhary mm-hmm. how will it do that it will see okay this one is the daughter of so and so this one is the daughter of so and so this one is age so and so age so and so resident of resident of so these are the basic details which will help you distinguish so every individual has to uh, write who's you know some sort of relation that uh, mm. they are with like either daughter or son of so and so or like spouse of so and so mm. but 
you don't have to define yourself from your father's name only and in fact in many places i have also tried to like take the stand that you know if i'm filling a form i usually write my mother's name instead of my father's name as much as possible so mm. i think if more of us start doing this and we start you know questioning or raising our voice then obviously it will slowly bring about a cultural change hmm and, and yeah sorry go on no no yeah so i i just wanted to know just out of curiosity when you have filled your mom's name instead of your hmm. father's name how have you had any sort of weird reactions to it has anybody said that nahi it galat hai or you know something like that yeah yeah so i don't remember which form i filled my mother's name on which was like you know a few um, a little while ago and then that person is like no no you have to write your uh, you know father's name so i said no it just says daughter of so i can write any parents name so i'm choosing to write my mother's name so they were a little like confused and stuff but i think it went through mm. so uh, you know you can of course expect these kind of reactions and th- there may be some people who will be like stringent that no you have to write your father's name so you know um it can happen like that but even in the passport like yeah. i or even in my aadhar card like when you have to fill in the details it's either wife or for daughter of so i always like though i'm married i never want to define myself the minute i become married that i become wife of i always stick to daughter of yeah. because you know if you notice that for men there is no husband of or uh, son of it's mm-hmm. only son of they are not defined by their spouse yeah. so i was like okay that's not fair but in fact when i did fill in my i had to get my passport renewed so i filled daughter of so and so and everything and then uh, i added my spouse's name so when my passport came back on the envelope it said mansi choudhary wife of so and so and i was oh, so excited with it because i was like you know i have not filled that in but that's just the practical reality and it's very irritating and we have to just raise our voice and you know try to bring about a change hmm and that's exactly what it is right like i mean like you rightly said in the beginning it's not that your marital status will necessarily give you more rights legally on paper but you know it i suppose it makes your life easier in these ways in a cultural social way you know in in um terms of just being accepted and assimilated into the society that we live in because we are a marriage obsessed society and more so for women right yeah so another thing you know like again oh first let me ask you this i remember i remember reading this article which said that women can own or married women can own more gold than single women can is that true so it is not exactly that that married women can own more gold than single women but uh, you see in income tax you have to show a receipt for everything god like you know if you own some gold you have to show right where you got this gold from or you have to like justify it so in that sense the government has come up with a rule that for married women 500 grams is the limit where you don't have to show any sort of like you know receipt because it is expected that when you get married you will get some jewelry from here and there or you'll have ancestral jewelry and for single women it is 250 grams oh. so it is not that you can own or not own but it is about how much you have to justify your ownership okay 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 uh, okay i get that but even there you know like i just and this is i remember when i was getting married this was 
something that kind of occurred to me is that suddenly my parents were so enthusiastic about buying me gold jewelry but before <laughs> that they didn't care and i had like so many milestones in my life before that you know <laughs> this wasn't the first like big milestone where i deserved a pair of solitaire or you know like i i in my mind i had earned something like that many times long before i mean you know many times before the before i got married but somehow to everybody you know whether it's your parents or your in-laws or your friends or whoever right <laughs> the idea that you're married is kind of like the sanction that ha a precious jewelry you earned it so <laughs> pehle you didn't you know <laughs> but that's interesting so okay so coming back to this whole law versus culture a lot of women in our in in india you know are now of course there's a growing number of single women there's a growing number of women who move to a different city for work or education and you know you have to rent a house you're living on your own i have personally faced this where i've tried to rent a house and i've you know had such a hard time because i'm a single woman of marriageable age you know especially if you're in your in your 20s and working and single and you want to live alone it's just it's a nightmare finding a house um so in situations like that you know and even like sometimes um after you do find a house your landlord will kind of harass you treat you differently you know impose these rules on you which really are like everybody knows it's illegal right like my landlord cannot tell me ki mujhe 8 baje tak ghar pahunchna hai you know mm. it's not their business so in situations like that where it is not a legal uh, restriction but it's rather a cultural restriction and you're fighting this whole mindset right what is the recourse that a woman has and is it is it really worth it to fight it at a legal level or do you just sort of let it be or we find someone else or some other house some other landlord or whatever you know so see one of the recourses could be you could maybe file a police complaint that you know so and so is like discriminating against you and not letting you i mean not letting you have a house for the sole reason that you are single but um you know as you rightly said like the legal recourse or then uh, maybe you file a case against that person for again you know discriminating against you mm-hmm. but just think of the practicalities so you go to the police the police may also be of the same mindset right mm-hmm. and they may say that why have you come for this like you know what is this is not an issue why are you i mean they may question you uh, this thing so my answer may sound very pessimistic but i'm just saying like talking very very practical because it can sound lines that okay you can go and file a case against them for discriminating against you or for denying you your right to live in a house or you know for any of these reasons but going and filing that case and the case will go on for years so for those 2 3 years where are you going to live like you have to find an alternative house and ultimately what is the result you'll get out of after those 3 years maybe they'll say okay fine you know you can't discriminate against her you give her some compensation or you give her that house but would you really want to stay in that house after 3 years after you know fighting it out in the court yeah. so that is a very like um, it's a grim practical reality that i would suggest the legal recourse is probably not worth it unless you know you feel so strongly about it like really really strongly about it where you weigh your um, feelings about it that, that they're so strong that you're ready to go through all of the 
you know, troubles and all of the, what you say, you'll have all the resources, time, money, you're ready to invest all of that into this legal uh, recourse. So that is a call that, you know, people can take based on what their uh, priorities or what their, uh, you know, feelings are about this issue. Or maybe if like, you know, everyone gets together and like um, files, maybe like a public interest litigation that, you know, this is a very commonly faced issue and please issue some guidelines for this. Maybe the Supreme Court could take it up and like bring about a policy change. But that is also a very, very, um, what do you say, a long drawn and sort of like a far fetched battle. Hmm. So unfortunately, nothing like that going on. I mean, I, I actually never thought of this. But of course, I think the law and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the law is kind of general, right, that you cannot discriminate, like every individual has the right to yeah. have, you know, somewhere to live, like to rent a house or to um, buy property. That is the general law, like it's not broken down by minority groups or like specific situations or anything like that is it yeah yeah so it is more general that you cannot discriminate based on sex gender all of this but it does not specifically say that you know you cannot stop a single woman from renting a house Mm. or you cannot deny her your house for the sole reason that she's single so the law there's no law as such which says that maybe there may be like a high court judgment or two in depending on which high court it is probably most probably if there has to be it will be in mumbai high court because that is the one of the more progressive ones Mm -hmm. so you know where if a single woman has gone and filed a case and then it has gone in her favor there could be a judgment which could serve as precedent but where are you going to take that judgment even if you have it you show it to that landlord he is not going to accept it right he or she So that is a very sad practicality about the situation that though the law does not prohibit and it does not allow anybody to discriminate, it still culturally continues to happen. Yeah, yeah. So you said if you do get that judgment and you take it to the landlord, they don't have to accept it. And the legal... As in, see, now if Bombay High Court passes a judgment, yeah. it will apply to all of Maharashtra. If Delhi High Court passes, it will apply to Delhi. So, a Bombay High Court judgment will not be applicable in Delhi, and similarly, Delhi will not be applicable in Mumbai. Okay. So, unless it's a Supreme Court, Supreme Court judgments are applicable all over India. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, high courts are only for their state. So, yeah. firstly, they're not bound to accept. Secondly, even if they are bound to accept, even if you take it to a landlord in Mumbai, like he knows that there is nothing that even if he doesn't accept that judgment, there is nothing that, you know, the court is, I mean, what, what will you be able to do again? You have to go and file a complaint or file a case. So it's the same legal recourse. Mm. So they are sitting comfortable knowing that there aren't enough legal remedies to, you know, address this issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we should file a PIL for this. <laughs> I know so many women, you know, it's absurd. I know so many women. Who have gone through this and I have gone through this multiple times um, my husband and I and I also want to talk about the rights of you know women in living relationships but my husband and I we, we lived together for a year before we got married in Jaipur uh, mm-hmm. because of work and we were told by pretty much all brokers ki, you know you should tell landlords that you're married don't tell them that you're not married Mm-hmm. Again, it's not illegal, right? Like legally, if you're living in with someone, I mean, whoever you are, regardless of the relationship you have with the person you're renting a house with, you are, you know, uh, allowed to rent a house. Like there's no law that says 
that couples cannot live in together, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, the Supreme Court has uh, recognized live-in relationships as legal. Yeah. And valid. Yeah. Yeah. And even so, and this is very recent. This is like uh, 2018 that I'm talking about. And this is after that judgment. I remember when, you know, we had this issue. I did my research and I wrote an article about it. And I spoke to a bunch of people, a bunch of other uh, couples who were living together. And a lot of them faced this issue. They said, Ki, ha, you know, our landlord doesn't know. <laughs> there are actually people who are doing this. So I just find it so weird that there is this one especially is a law you you are you know living relationships like you said are recognized and people know this but still culture wins you know over law every single time yeah and uh, so my next question to you is women in living relationships are protected under the domestic violence act what are the other legal rights of women in living relationships? Like, can you can you have a child, for example? Do you inherit property? You know, those kind of things. So the courts have now recognized that living relationships, they have given them almost the same status as marriage. Hmm. So, you know, one is, of course, domestic violence. You are protected under that act. Secondly, because it is a relationship like marriage, you will have other rights. Like um, if both of you acquire some property together, you will have equal rights to that property. So you'll have rights to the self-acquired property. Then you will have rights to, um, you know, if you have a child out of the living relationship, that child will be considered legitimate. And the child will have, again, rights to the parent's property. So the parent's self-acquired property. Then you will have, uh, in case, you know, I think you'll have the right to maintenance as well in case of like domestic violence or uh, any sort of like assault of that sort. You will have the right to domestic violence. I mean, uh, to maintenance as well. Hmm. And uh, in fact, recently we got a very interesting query on Pink Legal that, you know, this woman was living in a, in a living relationship with her partner. And after like promising her marriage, he suddenly backed out at the last minute and he went and married someone else. So if she was in a marriage, obviously this would be considered as adultery or, you know, he would have to take a divorce and then go and marry someone else, right? But because it was live-in relationship, he could just choose to just up and move in one day. Mm -hmm. So uh, then we were like, you know, just researching on what is the current state of that, um, you know, if this issue has been addressed. So apparently the Supreme Court is contemplating whether they can impose civil liability on somebody, you know, who does not like who is in a live-in relationship and just yeah, uh, just deserts his partner on the, you know, randomly hmm. without any cause. So civil liability is currently under consideration and criminal liability has been ruled out. So they have said that no, we cannot impose criminal liability because it's a civil issue. But if civil liability is put in place, then that will give women a lot of rights because a lot of them, in fact, this is a it has become a common problem that you know they are in live-in relationships and suddenly the next day the partner deserts them yeah so then that will give them much more security and more rights if uh, you know this comes into uh, place hmm. okay and uh it's uh so you have to have a civilian like a court wedding for your marriage to be recognized right like ceremonial weddings are no longer valid in court are they no ceremonial weddings are of course mar uh, valid Okay. okay, but uh, you have to compulsory register your marriage. Okay. 
so even if you don't register your marriage it's not that the marriage will not be considered valid hmm. but it's easier for you to prove your marriage if you know you already have a registration certificate because the court requires that you register each and every marriage should be registered okay 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 so my next question to you is um as a single woman if you want to have a child of your own you don't want to adopt you want to you know have your own egg um what are the options because i think recently there was a rule that was passed uh, which said that surrogacy is no longer an option for people unless like surrogacy is, a, is an option rather only for couples who have a biological factor which prevents them from having a child right so homosexual couples or you know infertile couples but if you are fertile then surrogacy is no longer an option so as a fertile single woman who wants to have her own child what are the options so actually this uh, surrogacy you know the rule that you're talking about yeah. that's the surrogacy bill yeah. and it has not yet become law so oh. it is in, you know the process so it was tabled in the parliament but mm-hmm. it didn't get passed in that session so it lapsed and now they'll have to table it again oh and uh, yeah so i'm just hoping that it does not get passed and <laughs> it just gets pushed so yeah. right now there is no um you know law which prevents a single woman so if this law if this bill becomes law then it will become a problem for single women but yeah. so far it isn't an issue so you see many celebrities also they have got you know they have got like children through like biological children through surrogacy yeah so uh, like ekta kapoor i think she's got a yeah you know child surrogacy so currently you can do it it's like a gray area where there is no law which prevents you or no law expressly allows you either yeah. but uh, you know so till that law till that bill becomes law you are in yeah. that gray zone yeah yeah okay that's good to know i thought it it had become the law because i know someone who kind of rushed the whole process Mm-hmm. um i know a same sex couple they wanted to have babies and they rushed the whole process the moment this bill started you know like it was talked about mm-hmm. um and they had babies very happy healthy babies oh, so i thought like this was kind of coming into play but that's great to know that's great mm-hmm. to know that it's not a law yet yeah there was a lot of discussion about it i think especially last year is when it was really like you know i think it was tabled so there was a lot of discussion and a lot of critique uh, criticism as well so i think then they sent it back to um, an expert committee for reviewing the law and maybe you know making it uh, better hmm. and uh, since then there has been no movement on it hmm. okay great so i have another question for you um and again this is not something i'm sure about in terms of what really the law is but if a single woman wants to travel abroad she has to get like some sort of a sanction from her father or a guardian or like husband to hai nahi is case mein but like if a single woman wants to travel abroad what are the legalities there yeah apparently like you know this is one of the i think it's more of a visa requirement it's not something that the government indian government says that if you have to travel abroad you need this um, you know letter from your father but uh, the countries where you go so for their visa requirements they need this and even when i had to like apply for a visa to europe i think i had to get a letter from my father saying that you know i know that my daughter is going and i don't have any objection and this was when i was a full blown adult i think in my mid 20s 
so uh, i still had to get that letter which was really irritating so i drafted the letter myself and i even added a couple of lines saying she's grown up and she doesn't need my permission and this and that <laughs> put in my feelings into that letter <laughs> that's amazing yeah. do you still have the letter i think i must be having it on my system somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that's cute so you got away with it huh? no signature nothing won't you scared that you'd get caught <laughs> no no i took his signature okay but i mean he also it's not like you know he didn't mind that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny okay, so it's not it's not the indian government it's like it's dependent i guess then on the country that you're traveling to yeah yeah like for when i went to singapore i didn't need to get this uh, you know letter but for europe i had to get the letter okay so it depends on the country okay okay hmm. great um do you think that i mean of course you know like i'm and i already knew that the law is not as discriminatory as you know cult- the culture is it is more the society and the people that we are surrounded by who have certain biases and prejudices and just practices that haven't caught up with the law and this is true not only for single women but also the lgbt community any minority community really you know the law does give us a lot but it's the society that doesn't do you think that this would change for single women do you see things changing maybe slowly but like do you think there's hope for us <laughs> Yeah yeah I think definitely there is especially in metro cities like Mumbai and Delhi and I see a lot of single women like even I you know have lived there for a couple of months when I was single and I see so many single women who are like living and working and you know they do manage to find houses luckily like I'm sure it must be a struggle to find that house but finally you know some of them do manage to find houses and uh, you know make a living for themselves so of course things are changing and uh, I think the more common this becomes the faster things will change because then people will be forced to face this that okay there is this you know there are single women who are like you know independent and uh, you know so once they start coming across more such women i think slowly the mindset will definitely change yeah, yeah. so i think when lying to your landlord about your marital status is really not the solution you know <laughs> you got to be like dude like i have the legal right to rent a house you know yeah that is definitely yeah but again you know practically is what if the landlord comes back and says no then i'm not going to give you a house and you've lost that house yeah for uh, i mean i believe personally that you have to be you, you know principles come first and to stand up for like what you believe in but practicality has made me feel very very cynical about certain things because it's like you're fighting and fighting for some cause but you know i mean you're not going to get a result and you're going to lose out half of your life in that fight yeah so sometimes we should be smart about it as well and just like you know get what we want yeah yeah pick your battles be. yeah pick your battles basically yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i eventually did manage to find a lovely house when i was single and i stayed in that house till i moved out to move in with my husband um and my landlord was just you know so amazing i didn't speak to him even once during the two and a half years after i moved into the house you know i would just mm-hmm. send the rent every month but he you know he was really completely non interfering 
my neighbor on the other hand kept an eye on me and <laughs> you know like who are you <laughs> you know the landlord was just the loveliest man um and then when my husband and i were looking for a house in jaipur eventually we rented um and the apartment of someone we knew so a friend mm-hmm. apartment we didn't like get into the whole take every lie to the landlord and you know pretend that we're married because at that time we weren't even sure if we would eventually get married or not you know <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so we did manage definitely so um tell me about pink league you run this amazing page and <laughs> um women can write to you people can write to you um asking for advice like well, how does it work what is the process so yeah pink legal is basically it's like india's first portal and i think the only portal which you know explains all women related laws on a single platform in a very easy to understand manner so i always like to you know talk about it as if it's your own personal like lawyer friend who's always in your pocket and who's available at any point to you know quickly check what your rights are because uh, so we have a very extensive website at pinkleegal.in where we explain like um, all the laws right from sexual harassment to you know how to file a police complaint domestic violence and um, divorce cyberbullying property rights everything in faq in a very simple to um, you know in a very simple way so that everybody can understand and um, and apart from that we also have some legal services which we provide so you know people can ask us legal queries we have a form on our website where they can ask us their queries and then we answer those queries for free and mm-hmm. so far we've answered i think more than like 300 to 400 uh, queries of women mm-hmm. and then we also planning so we also connect women to lawyers so because we understood that you know a lot of women when they need to file a case so they need to like seek a lawyer's uh, help they don't know where to look and you know sometimes the Uh, you know the issue is very personal you can't share it with somebody and ask them that do you know a lawyer for this purpose so we get a lot of inquiries for you know people like asking us to connect them to lawyers so we also have like a network of verified lawyers across india who want to give these services and then we connect them to lawyers based on you know we match their requirement their city etc and then we connect them to lawyers uh, for that area okay. So excellent i love your page and i love your website mm-hmm. and that's for those of you guys watching who don't know this is how i discovered mansi um i saw her instagram page the pink legal instagram page which is super cool what i love about it is that like you said you know it makes all this very complex legal information so accessible like on your instagram you post a lot about what is the protocol if you know um a woman has to file an fir right or a woman like it can cops come to a woman's house for investigation interrogation questioning whatever you know like those kind of things and we don't know these basic things right i mean yeah. and and also the process of finding out is all this information is so daunting but you make it so easy and mm-hmm. so ac- accessible and i love that so it's great i think it's it's a great job that you're doing with pink legal we definitely need a resource like this <laughs> thank you so much i'm glad that you find it useful because that is our mission at the end of the day yeah oh yeah for sure just mm-hmm. very like basic things i think we don't know like i remember when um, 
you know this law came about that a woman cannot be if a, if a woman is driving a car she cannot be stopped by cops after dark mm-hmm. uh, i knew about it because you know i kind of like write about these things so i'm always researching i'm always trying to keep abreast with all this information but so many people didn't know for like years after that so many people didn't know mm-hmm. and this now you know we have instagram back then instagram social media wasn't really that big so uh now we have it now people like you who have all this knowledge can use these platforms to make it accessible and i think that's great it's so important so yeah yeah, yeah i'm glad and that is why also we're very active on instagram because yeah. of course we have a portal which is very extensively explained but you know people are like you know how many times a day we keep checking instagram just for fun and in course of that fun if you just learn something new about your legal rights i think that can be a great way to just you know get to know your rights yeah yeah you absolutely know, yeah. yeah so everybody must follow pink legal <laughs> it's really cool and thank you so much mansi this was great and it was actually um, you know this chat gave me hope because it you know i do believe in the law and i do believe that law is the harbinger of change and it can really lead change and uh, so it's it's great to know that you know as far as the law is concerned we do have a lot on our side and we just got to sort of keep fighting for awareness i think it's awareness that we're lacking and we need to keep talking about these things and keep educating people and find that sweet spot between practicality and raising our voice which will hopefully slowly you know help society catch up with the law yeah definitely i think that's the exact way to go yeah <laughs> finding that sweet spot yeah yeah great so thank you so much mansi this was lovely thank you prachi it was my pleasure I ha- i'm great I- i'm like <laughs> i'm glad i had this chat and i had a great time mm-hmm.